to episode 21 of the Wall Street Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. My guests today are Kristen Nicholas and Gail Zucker. Kristen Nicholas is a knitwear and stitchery designer. She learned to sew when she was nine years old. Soon after, she added crocheting and embroidery to her skills. She made all her clothes growing up in a family of five girls in Dover, New Jersey. She went to college and grad school for clothing and textile design and one summer taught herself to knit. That same year, she met her husband, Mark, at Oregon State University while on a college exchange program. After college, Kristen worked for a year and a half in the Empire State Building as a merchandiser for a shirt company. She found her dream job as the creative director of a small yarn company in Lowell, Massachusetts, shortly before she and Mark were married. For 16 years, she did whatever needed to be done at the yarn company, advertising, marketing, working with sales reps, designing knitwear, writing copy, and newsletters. She now lives in western Massachusetts with her husband and 15-year-old daughter, Julia, on a working sheep farm in a colorful farmhouse built in 1751. Mark and Kristen bought their first four sheep in 1980 and have raised sheep for over 30 years. They market their Leiden Glen lamb meat at local farmer's markets. They have three border collies, 400 sheep, chickens, cats, a great Pyrenees guard dog, a guard donkey, and a guard llama. Kristen has workshops on Creative Bug and Craftsy and is the author of eight books. Kristen Nicholas, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Abby. So glad you're here. Um, Gail Zucker is a location photographer specializing in shooting for yarn companies, designers, and craft books. She photographs real people in real places in a storytelling style and has photographed for everyone from TV Guide, The New York Times, The Smithsonian, Consumer Reports, Fortune 500 companies, and prestigious universities. Gail is the co-author and photographer of two books, Craft Activism and Sheer Spirit, and she's currently working on several new books, including one about fashion at the Rhinebeck Sheep and Wool Festival. A lifelong knitter and crafter, Gail lives in Shoreline, Connecticut with her family. She can be found swimming, dog wrangling, making stuff, or at the beach knitting when she doesn't have a camera in her hand. Gail Zucker, welcome. Oh, glad to be here. Hi. I'm so glad to have both of you on the show. And um, it's actually really, it's just such an honor for me. So thank you so much. Um, Kristen, I think we're going to start with you. And um, tell me a little bit about how your experience kind of working as a jack of all trades for classic elite yarns helped you as you shifted to starting your own yarn-based business. Uh, well, when I started there, it was really teeny. And... The funny story is um, my first TNNA show, I went with my boss, Pat Chu, and her daughter was getting married. She, we set up the trade show booth, and she left me. <laughs> <laughs> she left me there with, to do the show. She introduced me like to two sales reps. And then I had never done a trade show before. So everything I did was kind of trial by fire, and I quickly figured out that as long as I could figure out what I wanted to do and how to do it, she would let me do anything I wanted. So um, it, I guess that first experience was great because nothing really is impossible. So when I moved on to freelance, um, I, you know, I just you just have to make up the ideas and go with it. And sometimes you um, 
you know, I lose a little bit of confidence in myself, but then I think, oh, I can do this. It's just that I don't have people here to help me. I just have to keep going on my own. So that is really my biggest struggle about being unemployed. There's nobody to bounce ideas off of. And that's actually how I found you, Abby, because I like to listen to your show because you've got all these creative people on that are sort of, they're doing the same thing as me, but, um, in maybe in a few different disciplines or whatever. And that just keeps me inspired. So thank you for doing for what you do. Oh, absolutely. And I, I can totally relate to what you're saying as far as being alone, but I love what you said about you just make up the ideas and then do them <laughs> because yeah. that, that truly is what it's about, right? It's like, Oh, well, what if I did that? You know, that would be kind of cool. And then you just sort of have to figure out how to make it happen and pull in the resources you need to, sort of make it happen on all on your own, you know? Yeah. And I think the other thing is you really can't be afraid of failure because so an idea bombs, as long as you haven't dumped too much money into it, you know, you just move on and start the next idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and it, I, you know, it's, it's a blessing to always have a ton of ideas. So <laughs> I, yeah. get, I get the feeling you're that kind of person. So I know that you, I've seen some photos of your home. I know you, um, you love bright colors and you love working in bright colors. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about color with you. So what, what is it about sort of living with color and working with color that you love? Oh, it just makes me happy. You know, I, um, when I have a lot of color around, I think it makes me feel really warm. Um, it's interesting. It's stimulating. And, um, it's, it's just, you know, you can keep trying things, keep looking at how other people use color, finding color in nature. And it just never gets old. You know, you, I might like be knitting and like a few different balls of yarn just sort of fall together and think, oh, my God, I never would put that combination together. But let's try it and see what happens. So um, in my house, it's 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 bright, but there's rooms that are, you know, not so bright. Like my studio is white, white walls, because I've got so much other stuff going on all around me. And my kitchen is actually like a very light uh, gray color and um that's because I've got all this pottery and different stuff around me. So um, you just, you know, you just have to keep playing with it. And I, when I watch people walk into my house, you know, they just sort of like, they just keep looking around. And for me, everything is just here. You know, it's things I've lived with over the years and put together in a certain way. But then my daughter, sometimes she'll go to somebody else's house. And, and I think she just like, looks because they're so plain, you know, she can't figure <laughs> out what's wrong. <laughs> She's used to living with all your, your collections. And... Yeah. Yeah. The chaotic color kind of thing. So. <laughs> um, so how did you and your husband decide to become sheep farmers? I watched your, um, creative bug video, which was totally entrancing and my goodness, you have a lot of sheep. So, uh, so how did this happen? <laughs> um, well, my husband grew up on a dairy farm. And so he was always around um, animals, and he went to school for animal science, but he did not want to milk cows for his whole life. Uh, he really likes agriculture, working, working with animals and working with the land. And so he, um, when we were actually, we were both, we met out in Oregon, and he found this sheep production class, and he thought, oh, if I, I can still have sheep, but I can have another off-farm job so that, you know, I can make a living because he knew 
how hard it is to make a living farming, and it just keeps getting harder and harder. So that's how we got into sheep, and, um, you know, we've always had them. We got four sheep before we were married. My mother said, oh, some people get an engagement ring. Kristen got four sheep. That's <laughs> 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 got into it, and, um, you know, that's like the life cycle of our house is the, basically the sheep life cycle, you know. Like this morning, um, it's raining, and we were out sorting sheep, moving them around. I was like, "I gotta get back to talk to Abby." <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you um, raise the sheep for meat, and but you are also a knitter and um, and do a lot of work with yarn. But uh, so, do you also shear them and use their wool, or is that not what you do? Um, well, okay. I, I learned to spin when I was in college. Also the same, about the same time I was learning to knit and, um, it's just very, very hard to make money off the wool. It's, um, you know, sheep are, they're dual purpose animals and people that make more money off their animals are doing it with meat. They're not doing it with the wool. You know, I, I don't have the patience to go to all these sheep fairs and set up a booth and market and talk to people. I, I like to do the designing, so that's why I've teamed up with yarn companies so that I can get my product out there farther um, than if I were just doing everything myself. And the bottom line is I knew how much work went into a yarn company, and I also know that, you know, say I wanted to get our yarn spun – well, I have to do the work of like 15 people just to produce a small amount of yarn. So, but what we do is we shear our sheep. That was a long answer. Sorry. No, but um, I think that's actually, sheep. I think that's really interesting to hear about the economics of, you know, of producing wool versus the economics of producing meat. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And, um, like I was at the farmer's market yesterday, I sell, you know, I sell ground lamb, sausage. Um, I've had to produce all these recipes because people don't know what to do with it. So it, you know, I kind of took my marketing background and now I'm marketing our lamb meat. And, um, but we do share our sheep just so everybody knows. And I actually have been selling it to another farm who's been buying different, uh, wool from New England and then they get it spun and made into blankets and they have a little bit higher end farmer's market business than we have. Um, so, you know, it's just easier. We have so much wool, you know, like these bags that weigh 250 pounds and there's like 10 of them or wow. something like that, you know, so they, we, it's just easier to get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally see why that would be. Yeah. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds really labor intensive. That's it is. Yeah. What an interesting process though. So, um, and you also, I just wanted to talk about one other thing, which is that you host knitting retreats on your farm, and I'm imagining that that kind of gives people a chance to see what all of this is like firsthand. So what is uh, what happens during these during the retreats? Oh, um, yeah. So they are um, they're actually this year I'm doing some embroidery retreats, cruel embroidery, one knitting retreat. I'm doing a surface design uh, printing retreat, and there's one more. I'm also trying to do a mother and child embroidery retreat. So, um, cause I have all these different interests, interests. Oh, the other thing is a painting on a lampshade class, which I've got these beautiful hand painted lampshades and we're going to print, we're going to paint a lampshade and they'll be able to take it home. So, um, basically, you know, it's sort of like a, a introduction to small farming agriculture and that doesn't take up very much of the course, <laughs> and then it's. 
I teach, I teach about color. It depends on which subject I'm teaching. And then it's hands-on, make it, and leave with something. Depending on what the subject is, they will leave with something done or they'll have the skills to finish it at home. That's a lot of fun. That's really cool. Um, and so when is the next one happening? Just so people... Um, they start... Um, so geez. <laughs> I think it's July 9th is the first one. And they're uh, five weeks this summer. It, it's hard though. You know, I must say there are so many retreats out there now. Yeah. It's, it's very, very difficult. I feel like there's so much noise in that arena. And, um, you know, it, but I give people a really cool experience because where can you be where there's sheep bang outside, roosters and chickens and, you know, and then you're learning art on the inside. And, um, you know, you, you basically leave with an experience and a project and something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Yeah, that sounds great. And the mother-daughter idea is a really neat one too. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good for you. But um, it's, I'll tell you, Abby, it's, I'm branching out into other areas and I'm not known in the other areas. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, it's a big challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's so hard to get known, you know, getting oh, known. Yeah. That's always the biggest challenge, I feel like. Um, right. And um, I, I have a new book. I, I, right now I've been working on three different books. Um, but um, I have a book, Colorful Stitchery, coming out in uh, September. And then I have a book called Crafting a Colorful Home which comes out in January 2015. And then I have a, a kids embroidery book coming out in sometime in 2015. So I've been working on all these books. They're pretty much all done. But I think like if I waited for the classes for next year, I would have had more followers uh-huh. I'm so up in the gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to, um, it's hard to do all of those things at once, you know? Yeah. 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 And um, who is your publisher? Are these all with the same publisher? Um, the the first two, the the colorful stitchery and crafting a colorful home, are with Roost, which okay. is a division of Shambhala. Yeah. And then the third one is with C and T. Okay. Super. Yeah. And Roost is right here uh, in Massachusetts, which is awesome. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. Cool. So, uh, so Gail, we're going to hop over to you, um, and I wanted to ask you the term location photographer. What does that mean? Well, it means that I, I don't work, you know, you sort of can look at photographers and there's lots of different ways to divide different kinds of photography, but studio photographers work in a studio or a controlled environment where basically my subjects might be human or they might be still life and they would come into my space and I would control all aspects of it. Um, but I, I work on location, which means I go elsewhere and sort of shoot in the real world. And my background's in photojournalism, so my interest has always been in sort of storytelling in the real world. Okay, so that makes sense. So how did you go from sort of photojournalism in general to kind of telling the stories of crafters and makers, and especially sort of knitwear designers um, through photography? Well, I... um have been a knitter my whole life and a, and a crafter. And I think the way I grew up was not that different from the way Kristen did in a family of girls and every, in a lot of artists. And we just were always sewing and knitting and making stuff, um, in general. And, um, when I started working as a, I went to journalism school because I wanted to be a photojournalist and that's pretty much all I've done. I started freelancing in the, um, when I was in my twenties and started working for the New York Times shortly after that. So um, 
And I actually was kind of known for being able to do kind of tough and gritty stories like inside women's prisons and um, overnight in the trauma center at the ER and sort of weird psychological or um, risky kind of situations. And knitting was the thing I did to de-stress, but I always thought it was really separate from my photography, which I have to say the world of um, photojournalism and magazine photography was heavily macho male oriented. It's changed somewhat over the last decade. But um, so I really especially never mixed knitting with anything related to my photography world. And um, I did a book in 2000. It came out in 2003 about what happens to kids who age out of foster care. And um, that was a fabulous book. It was called On Their Own, and it it was really, really good. Um, A journalist wrote it, and I did the photography profiling um, 10 different people. And that led to more work with um, youth at risk, youth who are already adjudicated into last-ditch efforts to keep them out of jail forever, youth that were having problems with addiction and crime, et cetera. And sort of it was... The more intense it got, the more I was using the knitting to escape sort of in de-stress. And I started a knitting blog around that time just for fun because I discovered knitting blogs. That was around 2005. And um, I guess there was a project I was working on um, that was a sort of, if you've ever saw the movie, The the TV show, The Wire, and it was a project that was dealing with sort of that same population. It was kids in Baltimore in the summer who were in a lot of trouble. And it was so intense that I just couldn't really leave it. And around that time, I couldn't leave it mentally. And around that time, uh, um, a book packager I was working with on another social issue project said, oh, Gail, if you ever want to do a book, give me an idea. And I just kind of blurted out, you know what I really want to do? I want to do a book about where yarn comes from. I think people want to know where there's enough people who are interested in the providence of the yarn and what is it like? What really goes into the yarn? What happens on a sheep farm? What do alpaca look like? How do you live a life with raising animals on a farm? And, um, and have knitting patterns in it. And the um, person I was pitching this to was like dead silence. And she thought I was joking. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, she goes, oh, you don't know anything about that. You don't knit. And I said, yeah, I, I do actually. And I think this could go. So, you know, let's just see. And she called me back a couple weeks later and said, you know, I talked to some publishers and I think you have a good book idea. Let's put a proposal <laughs> together. So that was I did share the book. I mean, it sounds like instantly poof, it became Share Spirit, but it took, a, it took about a year and a half. And um, the book was put together, you know, proposed and got a contract from Random House uh, with the writer Joan Tapper. And um, we did the book Share Spirit. And so that was my initial. That was a long winded answer. I'm sorry. No, that's totally, <laughs> that is so totally interesting. And I, I can really relate to to a lot of what you said, because I, um, so I went to Johns Hopkins and in the summer I worked, um, with Baltimore city public school kids. Um, I was the director of a program called teach Baltimore and, uh, working with them to help prepare them for the standardized tests that they have in Baltimore city Uh kids who are really far behind and struggling with all different kinds of different issues. And then I did teach for America and worked in the Mississippi Delta with, um, wow. Yeah, really, and a really impoverished community there for two years. So, and I can understand completely the idea of coming home 
and wanting to make something to de-stress. And actually, when I think back to my time living in Itabina, Mississippi, I made myself this giant doll while I was there that everyone was making fun of me that it was my friend, but I made this <laughs> huge doll that would sit next to me on the couch. And, um, and really like, if I think back to it, that was sort of the, the kernel of what I do now in a lot of ways. So I can really relate to that concept of, of wanting to sort of de-stress by, by um, making something with your hands. And so that's so interesting. So that launched your totally sort of a new, a new path, a new um, avenue for your, your photography yeah. work. Well, that was the first time, um, that was the first time I think it brought the two together. And I still photograph for um, non-knitwear, non-yarn company and non-craft related clients. But I think that started to connect the two things. And then as, you know, that was, that book came out in 2008. And I think then after that, I shot the second Mason Dixon knitting book because I connected with Anne and, and, and Shane and Kay Gardner through the knitting world. And, um, you know, and one thing leads to another. So at this point, I think about 50% of my work is knitwear, yarn, and craft related. And the other half is still um, a variety of different clients from, not, you know, including nonprofits and magazines and universities. So and I, I really do like the mix. Um, yeah. I bet. And I think, and I think when you freelance, you know, it's kind of like people say you work for yourself, but the truth is you really work for everybody. So, you know, I hardly ever say no to anything. Yeah. That's so great. What a great mix of, of jobs. And you do some teaching of photography too. I do. And that, that really started, um, I used, I used to a long time ago when I, before I had kids and I had a little more time on my hands, I taught photography at a um, community arts center in New Haven, not far from where I live. And then I stopped teaching. And um, in 2009, after Sheer Spirit came out, a lot of knitters would email me and say, oh, I wish my pictures look good. How do you make, you know, how come your yarn looks good? And I taught a workshop. I was invited to teach a workshop and it was really, really really fun because here I got to talk about the two things I adore <laughs> talking about, right. you know, photography and knitting and crafts. So, um, that's sort of taken on a life of its own. So yeah, I am, I, I do still teach, um, the, the, photo for knitters and photo for handcrafters workshops. Gosh, I'd love to take one of those. I've learned to use my, um, my camera to a degree, um, but there's always so much more to learn. And so I hope I get a chance to take one of your workshops. It sounds perfect for me. Oh, that and Gail's be- a really good teacher. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Totally. Um, all right. So I've asked both of you to prepare lists of things that you're loving right now and that you would recommend. And I prepared one too. So we're going to dive into those. And, um, and Gail, we're going to start with you. And you wanted to talk about um, blog stomp. And I just watched their little video earlier mm-hmm. this morning. It seems mm-hmm. pretty cool. So tell us how this works. Okay. Um, blog stomp is a software. I think it's only, you can use it on, um, I, I don't think it's a mobile app, but you can use it on an iPad. Well, an I, it works on an iPad or, um, laptop or desktop. I'm not sure you can use it on a phone, but it is a program that will take a group of your photos and quickly put them into a grid, a very pleasing grid. And you can, um, you know, the kind of thing that if you try to do this in another program, 
um, will take up a huge amount of your time. And so it's what I like about it is you can set the parameters or how wide it's going to be. So if you want to be putting it into, let's say, your website, you know you need a 1,000 pixels wide, you can set it so the grid will always be a 1,000 pixels wide. And as many images as you put in, it will grid, and then you can shift around the shapes and where the images land in the shape. Um, if you could see me, I'm talking with my hands and reaching the shapes <laughs> in front of in front of my desk. And um, the, there's two things that's fabulous about it. One is that it um, solves the problem of how to show a bunch of pictures really fast in a really pleasing way without sucking up three hours of your life. And the other thing that's really great is once it puts them into that grid and you upload it online, you can't pull the individual pictures out. Uh, uh, Somebody else cannot pull the individual pictures out. So for people who are worried about having um, images pulled apart out of context and reposted somewhere, that can't happen. So, um, I, I learned about it from, um, I taught at a conference of wedding photographers, and it's it's a really popular software for wedding photographers, but I've been adapting using it also. That's really cool. And I it has some neat features that, um, like I use PicMonkey for mm-hmm. some similar, it's, mm-hmm. you know, for some similar uh, ideas, but it's got um, like batch editing of photos, which I really like. So you can upload 12 at once and yes. then resize them all at once. And that's really convenient. Yes. And then um, it also looked as though you could really easily add watermarks. Yes. You can add watermarks. I think you can add, um, you can upload, you can upload like a little, if you have a certain line of text you like to put on everything. I, I think there's a lot of, and you can put your watermark in the frame of it. So you don't have to have a, a watermark in the image area, which I really hate. Yeah, having to see that. So yeah, so is it, uh, Gail? Is it free? No, it is not free. About Uh, how much? You know, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know because when I um, was teaching at this conference, one of the other teachers taught a workshop and got us a discounted group rate for it. Okay, Um, it's under a hundred dollars. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think it's between fifty and a hundred. But I have to say, I think it's well worth it. It's 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 a really. I don't think everything needs to be free. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh like, no, no, no! Yeah. I was just curious, but yeah. um, you know, I could spend hours doing that in Photoshop, and that's yes. why I don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is, exactly, and I do sometimes spend hours doing that in Photoshop, and then you kind of wonder like where half your day went. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good quick uh, solution. And you're right; not everything needs to be free for sure. Exactly. And um, that's something I've been learning more and more recently. So. Um, well, it's one of those, I always think it's like, you know, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Really? Like there's the trade-offs and you know, I, cause of, cause of being expected to be paid for my creativity. I, I like to try to put a balance into also paying others for theirs. Yeah. That's totally true. Um, all right. Well, thank you for that one. Blog, blog stomp. Um, Kristen, we're going to pop over to you and you wanted to talk about something that I just thought was so beautiful. These Indian tapestry bedspreads. So tell us oh, about yeah. those. Yeah. Okay. So I read, a uh, years ago, I read, a um, I think it was like house beautiful or something. And, and bunny Williams, who's like a big time decorator said, just throw an Indian block print on top of it and it'll make everything look fantastic. <laughs> and she, you know, she's so right. And then I went to a friend's house up in Maine and I walked into her, her, um, kitchen and there was an Indian block print thrown over her sofa, which was really in bad shape and it looked fantastic. So I've been collecting these things, 
you know, for for years, I have like a whole, uh, it's an embarrassing amount of fabric. And you can also sometimes get them at yard sales. Um, and, and they're great because they wash great. They're all cotton. They fade a little bit, which I like because it makes them look a little more aged. And you can throw them over your sofa. You can take them on a picnic. You can put them on a chair, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I have all these dogs and cats and messy people. So (laughs) when they get dirty, I just throw them in the washing machine and boom, fixed. That's great. Yeah. It's like, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's like you can just throw it on and you're automatically looking kind of dressed up and pretty. It's different than like a white canvas drop cloth. Because those just get dirty. These have pattern on them, so they hide the stain. <laughs> right. Can I, can I just interject that I am actually wearing a shirt that is an Indian block print right now, oh. and it's making me look fantastic, if only you could see it. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so I'll put a couple of links that you sent me, Kristen, to some of the you know favorite ones that you yeah. have online, so people can uh-huh. kind of get a sense of what they look like. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, so I wanted to talk about an also a, a software online. Um, it's called Noisly, and okay, here's what it does. It does two things. Um, it is a, a background noise generator. So hmm. I work from home, and um, my two older kids are ten and eight, and they're at school. But my little one two days a week is home with a babysitter in the morning for three hours while I work. And that means that I'm here and she's in the next room. There's no door. Um, so, mm. so if the babysitter's reading her a book, I can hear the book. I can hear her trying to ask for various things and the babysitter misunderstanding her and me kind of freaking mm-hmm. out. So it's very distracting and difficult for me to actually focus on what I really need to do in that very short, concentrated period of time. So um, I have tried putting on music and all kinds of different things, but Noisly has been fantastic. So there are all of these different um, background noises like water, trees. There's a coffee shop one, so you can be sitting around <laughs> coffee shop and you know you just click it and it makes that noise and you can do two at once if you want water and trees and uh you know so it's there's crickets there's lots of different ones so that is really nice and it really does work as far as sort of blocking out background noise um and it would be good if you're traveling you know there's lots of good uses for it and there's an app so you can have it on your phone if you want um the other thing it does which i think is sort of a brilliant pairing is it's a sort of very pared down text editor. So Mm. it's totally distraction free. It's very plain. Um, and it, I used it the other day. I was, I'm beginning to write an ebook and I was just having trouble starting because it just seemed like so big, like what I have this huge outline and, you know, so I just sat and opened noisily and just started writing in their text editor. And, you know, there's something sort of oddly freeing about it. Like it's not in Microsoft Word. It's not on your blog editor. It's just sort of this other space. And once you've written a bunch, you can download it and, you know, import it into your word processor or whatever. But um, the other thing in the text editor is the, you can set it so the color kind of changes 
and you get this kind of color therapy going on at the same time. So it kind of fades oh. from yellow to green to blue and it's just calm. Like you have the noise <laughs> going on, you have the color, you have this distraction free space. So I like it. You know, I think there's times when noise lay is sort of a lifesaver. Um, and I've been using, definitely using the noise part more and more. So that's my recommendation. Um, if, especially if you work from home with no, that's that's true. That is like one of the home office things. Is it's even if you're in there and you say no one can bother me, it is so hard to separate yourself from you know the world that's going on a few feet away. Yeah, it really is, and especially. Oh, I mean, even if my husband even is home for the day, I find even that to be distracting. Mm-hmm. Like even if the kids are all at school, but he, I don't know. It's hard to feel to make yourself look as though you're unavailable. <laughs> Right. You're well, like, seriously, really are you ever really unavailable right. for your children and your husband? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's so they hard. can always get there. Yeah, right. totally. Um, okay. So Gail, we're back up to you. And I right. wanted to hear about um, a tripod that you recommended. It's by Benro. I have a Benro t- tripod as well, but I'm imagining this one's not the same one that I have. So Tell me about your fluid head. Well, actually, it's it's not a tripod. Oh. It's a mono, It's a monopod. Oh, so it only has one leg. Um, I actually hate 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 working with tripods. And my I have a tripod that is probably the most well traveled tripod you'll ever meet. And I very very rarely use it. Only if I absolutely have to because I like to move around a lot while I shoot. But. Um, uh, I also don't like hauling around a tripod, but a monopod is really wonderful because there are situations where you really want to steady your camera, and a monopod is just basically, you know, as it sounds, it's just one leg. This one actually has like three little tiny um, legs that flip down from the bottom of the monopod so that it does have additional steadying ability, and if you stand on one of them, it really um, stabilizes it, and... Um, it's wonderful if you want to just really, it, it folds down to like the size of like um, a sort of like larger than a folding umbrella, but smaller than a full umbrella. And it's very light, but when you unfold it, it's wonderful for steadying your camera. The other thing is it's a fluid head, which means um, once you lock your camera onto it, you can make really, really smooth movements um, up, down, left, and right, which is great for shooting video. Because um, I'm, I'm sure you've all tried shooting handheld video, and there's like that nice handmade video look, and then there's that really like nauseating, jerky handmade video look. So this sort of a fluid head on a monopod or a fluid head on a tripod allows you to make lots of video movement without the jerkiness. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I kind of wish I had bought this one instead of the one that I bought, but I didn't even know about this before um, because I work in a really small space too. And so mm-hmm. having the legs of the tripod, believe it or not, out, it's like always in my way. Um, yes. It drives me crazy. I'm always kicking them over and it's like <laughs> nutty. Yeah. Um, this, this seems great. And, and I can totally see how having that fluid head would, would help with decreasing jerkiness. And, um, oh, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's really ridiculously smooth and it's not, it's not a particularly expensive. I bought like the, the simplest model and I think it was $130, which for anything related to photography or camera work is a really modest price. Um, the only thing you have to know about a monopod is it doesn't stand on its own. You have to be holding it. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't take the place of, you know, if you're trying to, to take pictures where the camera needs to be 
sitting in the middle of somewhere and you're somewhere else in the room, it won't work. That's what so it won't, about. it won't stand up on those little legs. No, no. It's really like, if you just picture like a, 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 a stick or a staff, and then at the bottom, just three fold down appendages that sort of steady it. I see. Yeah. Okay. And you have to sort of stand on them or... or kind well, of- I, f- I found that when you're using the fluid head, if you stand on them, then you can like lean way forward. If you can picture that, if you yeah. want to pan down yeah. for something. Yeah. Cool. And it's really good, you know, for a low light situation. Um, I went to TNNA in Indianapolis and I was doing some photography um, for a yarn company and they wanted some pictures of their booth set up before the um, exhibit hall opened and they what they do in those big exhibit halls to i think save on electricity is they keep the lights really low before it open before the doors open to the to the um to the uh, when it's only the vendors in there so um it was great because i could get some really nice shots shooting in low light at slow speeds because the monopod steady gave me enough steadiness right holds the camera still exactly so um so right so the shutter can be open longer is that am i saying yes right Right. because then you don't get you don't get the movement from your hand you know the movement of your hand pushing down the shutter right exactly that's right okay cool um and just so people who are not in yarn know tnna is the national needle arts association oh sorry yeah yeah just so people because it's a big trade show in a convention center yep right Okay, cool. Um, all right. So Kristen, we're over to you. You wanted to talk about, um, a couple of podcasts, um, that you're enjoying and one of them is the good life project. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't even know how I found out about it, but it's this guy, Jonathan Fields, who I think he shoots out of New York, uh, their video podcasts, but you can also, I think at the bottom, you can listen to them. And he has uh, guests on that are from an enormous array of disciplines. And it's a long interview. It sort of ta- starts with how they, how they started and just, you know, interviews them. And I always get some kind of idea. And I also like that it's so varied. You know, it's not only yarn and color and fabric. Um, there's a guy on, uh, he was a music guy. He's, a, you know, how he started. And for me, I feel like, all these different art disciplines are all interrelated. So I always pick up something interesting. So even if it's somebody that's like uh, into fitness, which I am totally, uh, I should be, but I'm not, um, you know, you learn just listening to him. And he's a, he's a good interviewer. Um, and then the other podcast I really like, besides yours, Abby, is um, Monica Lee's Smart Creative Women and... Uh, she, I think she's also out of Massachusetts and she interviews a lot of creative women, obviously like the name, um, you know, she's had like Amy Butler on, um, different people that write books, a lot of surface design, a lot of artists and, um, hers is also a video podcast, but she's got an audio thing too. And so I like both those. Especially, you know, when you're working it, <laughs> when you're working by yourself, you think you're the only one doing it. But I always learn something from, you know, from these things. Yeah, absolutely. I've listened to both of them, um, and I have to say, I really enjoyed um, on the Good Life Project the interview with Lisa Congdon, who's somebody that I really admire. Cool. Oh yeah, she that this afternoon. Yeah, go for it. It's a good one. Um, I really, you know, and you get if you watch the video one, you get to see. Um, you know, inside her studio, which is always a treat. So yeah, I recommend it. 
Um, and I agree with you, Kristen, that listening to the stories and creative journeys of people in all different um, sort of artistic fields is, is interesting. There's always something to learn, even if it's not exactly in your particular discipline. Right. I just think it broadens, you know, broadens who you are as a person and it broadens your, makes you think a little bit differently. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk about something sort of funny. Um, this is trunk club. Um, have you heard of this? No. Okay. I like the name. I like clubs. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a club. Um, all right. So a while ago I signed up for stitch fix, which is a club for women and you fill out a style survey online and then they send you a personal stylist picks five items of clothing for you and sends them to you once a month and you try them on and then you return what you don't like um, and keep what you do want. And this is awesome for me because I am very busy and I want to look nice, but I don't have time to go shopping. So I absolutely love Stitch Fix and um, it's so exciting when the box comes and they do a great job. The clothes are gorgeous and I, I just, I've been really happy with it. So my husband um, is actually a better shopper than me and loves to shop and always looks really nicely dressed, but he always is dressed for work. You know, he, he buys suits and ties and actually really enjoys dressing himself. He wears a fedora. He's kind of a styling <laughs> dude, but he doesn't feel as confident shopping for casual clothes, believe it or not. So, um, he's sort of always overdressed anyway. So he wanted something similar. So he signed up for this thing called trunk club and it's for men. Um, and you fill out a style survey online and you're matched with the stylist. Um, they put together a package of clothes for you. So he signed up basically just to get casual clothes. You have 10 days to decide what you want to keep. And he just returned his trunk yesterday, his second one. Um, and he is loving it. It's so cute. He like tries on all his clothes and he's got all these really nice new shirts and, um, new casual pants and he thinks it's fantastic. And, um, so I don't know, it's just, it's fun. It would be a great gift for Father's Day or, um, for a birthday or just as, you know, something fun for your husband or for your son, if you're, you know, right out of college and need to dress for work or that kind of thing too, it would be good. Um, so that's trunk club. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. Neat. Yeah. It's very cool. It's just amazing. <laughs> I love things like this, like the, like, you know, when, when the, when, the internet first, you know, got really established and everyone was, you know, all up in arms that it was going to depersonalize everything. And nobody thought about the interesting kind of developments. Well, like what we're doing right now, something like your podcast that could connect people and bring it, connect all these handmade business ideas, but things like the trunk club and stitch fix is just, it's just so cool. Totally. And I love things that sort of use the internet in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like, what could I do with this that would really make best use of the capability? Right. Um, yeah. And I always really admire things like that. I think that's really cool. Um, okay. So, so Gail, we're, um, we're up to you. And I wanted, um, uh, to talk about some iPhone photo apps that you're recommending. Cause I, I would love to play with these. There, there's one called Snapseed and one called Big Lens. And I'll confess, I've not checked out either. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you know what? The, the truth is if you search for, um, iPhone or smartphone 
um, camera apps. It's like mind boggling how many they are. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous. And, and there's a lot that are pretty awful. And, you know, I, I it's kind of like busman's holiday for me to play with them. Um, but the iPhone camera is, is a great camera and, um, there's a lot you can do with it, but there's also limitations, obviously, with the basic camera. And these apps in particular are really well developed to sort of extend what you can do with the camera, um, the iPhone camera. Snapseed, I think, is owned by Google now, and it's a really, really good sort of photo editing app that you can do pretty much all kinds of adjustments. And the thing is, a lot of the apps are like one trick ponies. Like they'll make one adjustment and it's not very subtle and it's really, really fun. Like make your picture look, you know, vintage or turn it sepia or something like that. But, um, I like the apps that allow you to make more subtle adjustments or to adjust something and then dial it way back so that you can actually have more, um, I guess not to be snobby, but I guess sophisticated um, imagery from your phone. So Snapseed can make tons of adjustments, and I like to use it basically to straighten a picture, um, crop. Um, you can do selective brightening, which is really nice, which means if you take a picture of somebody on a sunny day and the shadow is falling on part of their face, you can brighten up just that side of their face that's dark. Um, so it's pretty cool. There's, and then there's a lot of adjustments. I mean, you can do special effects, see things with it. You can put funky frames on it, and it's it's got gazillion different adjustments. So usually when I take a picture um, on my iPhone, unless it's just evidence like a wine bottle I want to remember, I end up putting it into Snapseed and making a few adjustments just to sort of, you know, sort of make it a little more snazzy right away. Um, and then big lens, I really like because it's a app that allows you to add depth of field. So it makes it look like you're shooting. uh, And for those who are not, um, speaking camera jargon, that's the effect where you have, um, one thing in focus and then the rest blurry or out of focus, which is the effect you get from uh, a camera with a large aperture. Um, okay, so this sounds like it would be both of them, but but maybe big lens. Well, actually, both of them in particular would would be um, would be great for people who are in- interested in growing like an Instagram following too. Yes, um, because your photos will look better yes. and get more likes and more interaction yes. and they, that kind of and thing. You, and you can also, um, I'm actually okay. I'm just going to put a little plug in for the first time ever. I'm actually shoot teaching. And um, making iPhone masterpieces workshop um, as part of a photo workshop weekend in Portland, Maine at Gathering of Stitches at the end of June. Um, Because it is really important to give a look. Like you want to give your iPhone pictures, if you're trying to build a following on Instagram or on your blog or on Facebook, It's great if you can give your images like a look that you use consistently. Yeah. So these are the tools to do that with. That's so good. And the other other thing is you can crop to a square, which is Instagram is really um, viewed as a square. And on Facebook, a lot of times, and a lot of the programs and Ravelry, which is a knitting... um, 
social uh, networking. Social network. I never know what word to use. <laughs> also, all the, you know, the first time you see something, it's a square. Right. So if you want to really control the way your images look or appear, if you crop them to a square right away, then you've got that look going on from yeah. right to start. Yeah, that's super. And a lot of control, more control than the Instagram app itself gives you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Instagram's really, really, really fun. But obviously, everyone who uses Instagram has those same basic um, um, choices to use. So if you throw a few more into a mix, you can give your work a unique look that I'll, you know, I'll immediately see it and go, oh, that's an Abbey Glass. Right. <laughs> oh, I hope I can get to that point. <laughs> that would be awfully nice. Um, yay. I mean, I think that people say that when they look at my dolls and toys, but maybe not when they look at the photos yet. So that would be cool, especially iPhone photos, which I sort of take without really doing much thinking or editing. So, um, Gail, uh, can you put type on those or not? On either of those? Um, <laughs> um, you, um, I'm pausing because I'm not sure. There's other okay. apps that you can, I have so many different, there, there are other apps that you can easily add type on. Okay. I like, I'm um, not sure. And both of them might have, have extra options where you can pay a small fee and get the, you know, uh-huh. like premium add in type. And I, okay. I have the beautiful mess app, which is great for adding text and like, um, handwriting. To oh, your, which one do you use? Okay. It's which called uh, the Beautiful Mess app. Yes, that's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which gives that. But again, like with the Beautiful Mess, um, their blog has very distinctive photo look. And so your photos end up kind of having that sort of look too if you use their app, which is interesting. Uh, I mean, I, at least I think so. So, um, all right, so those are, those are some really good suggestions. And Kristen, you get our last pick, and I actually wanted you to talk about... Um, these two materials that you use <laughs> to fix things around your house, especially Sugru, which is so cool and also has the best like YouTube video advertisements for it. I don't know if you've watched those, but Sugru is awesome. So tell us about that. Right. Okay. So I, oh, I think I found out about Sugru from watching uh, The Good Life Project, I think, or maybe I found out about it through Design Sponge. Anyway, it's this... It's I'm not, it's sort of like a plastic that self hardens. So it comes in these little pouches that are um, that look metallic, and it comes in a limited range of colors. And you cut the pouch open, and in it there'll be um, this little hunk of this. Uh, it looks sort of like clay, uh, almost like Sculpey does. Um, and it's not, you don't get very much in a little package. It's a, it's like, like maybe two quarters worth. And, uh, you take it out and you massage it in your fingers and you can fix all kinds of things with it. If you go onto their website, they've got, I mean, all kinds of stuff that people have fixed with it. I fixed, um, lamps when they break. I just take this stuff out and I wrap it around. You have to let it sit overnight. It hardens overnight. Um, they're starting to add a few more colors. A lot of photographers use it to build onto their cameras. And the cool thing is you can then, if you decide you don't like the fix, you just use like a utility knife and it, you cut through it. It's, it's still pretty soft. It's not like a hard plastic and it pops. It'll just peel off and you're back with your broken thing or unmodified thing. And, um, but there's so many clever videos. You can sign up for their, um, I don't know what, you know, newsletter and they'll send you the, the hacks of the month or something. Um, that 
a lot of people use it um, if they have arthritis or like some kind of uh, physical problem. They build things with it. Um, it only has a shelf life of about six months. So uh, you, I keep it in my refrigerator, and then it, supposedly it, it it's done, and then you have to order more. And you can't buy it in any store. You only can buy it through their website. I think they're from England, but somehow they ship from the States or something like that. So can, can you, you paint on it? Oh, good question. I haven't tried that yet. You know, you maybe you can. You probably could to change a color. You could also mix the different colors together. You know, oh, to, it comes in colors. It comes in colors. Yes. Oh, cool! What a cool yeah. product. Yeah, and yeah. if you watch like their videos, like if you have a door that every time you open it, the doorknob hits the wall and makes yeah. an annoying noise, you yeah. can just put a little sort of circle of sugru either on the doorknob, and then it will like bounce off the wall and instead of and it's like silences it instead of making that an annoying banging noise. Like you can, it's just really great, and you can also. I think you can, um, like if a handle falls off your mug, you can mm-hmm. use a little bit of Sugru to reattach the handle and it can go through the dishwasher. It's totally, it'll, it wow. holds up. Yeah. I think people use it to fix their dishwashers. Yes. And people use it to make <laughs> replacement parts. Yeah. yeah. I, think I, should, I, I feel like I should order a case of this and do my whole house from top <laughs> to bottom. <laughs> so I have to get my hands on it cause it just sounds so incredibly cool. Um, and when I saw it on your list, I was like, oh, cool. We get to talk about Sugru. So, <laughs> uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes if people want to try it out. Uh, I'm definitely going to get some and try it out. So, Oh, the other thing I use is metal tape. It's like HVAC tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I have fixed so many things in my house with this metal tape because it's got the adhesive one side and because it's metal, it forms. So like my whenever my um, vacuum cleaner brakes or whatever, like some kind of latch. I just tape it together with this, this metal tape. And I actually give it as like shower presents. Cause I think it's so great where somebody's starting out in their own, you know, their own new life or whatever. Yeah. Right. They're going to open it and be like, what is this? And then six months later, they're going to like, Oh yeah, we have this <laughs> stuff and we can fix the thing. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like, that was the only gift we always use. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's totally what's going to happen. Well, guys, this was um, really great. I know there were a few things we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I think the ones that we did were were really heavy hitters. Um, and it was so f- just really interesting to hear about your background and to get a chance to talk with both of you. Oh, this well, was really you. a pleasure. I love your show, Abby. It's like what, what Kristen said. It's so great to be, when you're working at home, to hear what other people are doing, doing at the same time and, you know, sort of, so we're not all reinventing the wheel and, and it's, it's, um, it's really a pleasure to be on your, on your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice of you to say. So, um, so Gail, where can we find you online? Okay. Give us us a main place where we can kind of hook up to the rest of your. Okay. Well, the, the main, um, well, let's see. Um, I guess my, my blog is she shoots cheap shots. (laughs) <laughs> which is a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, so she shoots sheep shots. And my regular photography blog, uh, website is gzooker.com. But if you Google my name, which is Gail, like it's spelled like the, the big storm wind, G-A-L-E, Zucker, then you can pretty much find me because I'm, you know, got Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all the Instagram, um, just using my name. Super. Okay. And Kristen, where should we find you? 
Um, let's see. Uh, the place I'm probably most active is my blog, which is called Getting Stitched on the Farm. And then my website is www.kristennicholas.com. And I am Kristen Nicholas pretty much on Facebook, Instagram, on everything. Um, and uh, what a Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest, um, right. And yeah. Twitter. Yeah, you're everywhere. And Twitter, yeah. <laughs> Although I must say, I'm not very active on Twitter. It's just, you know, I love Instagram because it's visual. Yeah, I know. Instagram is is really taken off because of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog where you'll find helpful um, information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and see you next